the New York media has gotten soft, including you, Paul. No, I don't need any kind of crap from you. Take a lap defense. Take a lap special teams. Who cares? No. Like, it doesn't matter. It sure does. It doesn't. Paul, do you know what drip is? Do we have to explain? Hold on, Jake. What do you mean add a player? What is this, like buying a vowel? Removing goalposts? How stupid is that? No drunkenness. He answered the question fine. We move on. I came here to hear Paul Schwartz and strip clubs. The no. kicker. You hear how he says the kicker. Like he's a subset from the team. Oh, do I send you journalism lessons on Twitter? We got a lot of angry I, people on this podcast. Yeah. Ooh, welcome back to an emergency episode of the Blue Rush Podcast, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Emergency, emergency. The New York Giants have announced their fifth GM since 1979 when George Young took over. That would be Joe Shane, 42 years old. He is taking over for Dave Gettleman as the new general manager. And we are here on an emergency episode to react to it. Let's bring in our host of Blue Rush on our off-season special. That would be two-time Super Bowl champion kicker celebrating the anniversary of his kicking Green Bay to take the Giants to the Super Bowl. That would be Lawrence Tynes and his co-host, Giants beat writer for the post, Paul Schwartz. It's not shown. It's not shine. It's not showing. Lawrence, it's Joe Shane. Your thoughts on the new Giants GM? Well, he was kind of the front runner from the very beginning. Obviously, a, a lot of good things have been said about him. The Buffalo Bills franchise has done very well since he's been there, and they had some good candidates. I think it injects a little excitement into the city, into the franchise, and I'm happy we're moving along, moving on from Dave Gettleman and the old regime, but um, certainly a lot of work to do. Um, he has a very tough task. You know, I kind of look at general managers like draft picks. You know, we're not going to judge them after year one, year, maybe year two, but you know, year three, this thing should be heading in the right direction. Now, I don't know how patient Giants fans are going to be, but exciting times. I'm happy for for Giants Nation that we've we've hired a general manager. Now, when you look at when when Joe Shane went to Buffalo in 2017 with Brandon Bean, you know, they had worked together in Carolina. Then Joe Shane went to Miami for nine years, I believe. And then Brandon Bean, when he got the job in Buffalo, he summoned for Joe Shane. Buffalo had not been in the playoffs for 17 consecutive years, okay? And they made the playoffs in their first year with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, which did not stop them the next year from drafting Josh Allen. So the Bills in 2017 were not quite at the depths the Giants were. I get that. But they had terrible salary cap situation. They had not been in the playoffs in eons. So don't tell Joe Shane he can't do this pretty quickly. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, I, I, no, there's no pressure. Now, when you say when you say pretty quickly, year. do you mean two years, three years, or you're you know thinking what? earlier? There's no timetable. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure I'm sure they didn't, ownership didn't say, you know, we'll give you three years to get this done or else you're out. But but I'm just saying, you know, Lawrence, you've been in the league, you know, you're around the league. It can happen. It can happen pretty quickly. Oh, sure. That doesn't mean they're going to win 10 games next year, but you got a smart guy. You get, uh, Lord knows they've had no luck. You get a little luck, strike gold in the draft. They have great um, options in the draft, great, you know, draft capital. This seems like a smart guy. He'll eventually hire some good people. It can happen. He, you know, this guy looks the part. He looks like a, a, a new wave GM. Uh, we had Brandon Bean on a, a Zoom call from, you know, two days before they're getting ready to play the Chiefs. That's pretty good, right? He's very calm. He could not be more complimentary about Joe Shane. So um, I think people are very excited about this guy. Yeah. Yeah, they should be. I mean, I'm I'm excited. But but again, I you know, listen, I to your point, can this be fixed quickly? I think it can. I mean, this offense was so bad. If you just fix it a little bit, right? I mean, if you think about the points scored, seven touchdowns over their last eight games, 
I mean, if you just fix the offense a little bit, they're going to have some more success. So as you mentioned, the draft capital, I think, is important. It'll be interesting, you know, to see if he keeps those. I don't know what his history is, what Buffalo's history is of trading down, you know, because we do need need more. We need more draft picks. Five and seven, You could, if you could, if you think there's two home run players there, you use them. But of course... There's always lots of room, lots of ways to move down. So, yeah, you know, I, it's funny. I, one of my best friends went to high school with Joe Shane. She was at college with us, and she she sent me a text and said, this guy is really cool. You know, so I think that's cool. Um, that's she, interesting. She, she didn't say he's really smart. He was a really good athlete. She well, said he's really yeah. cool. Alcar, Indiana, she was a great athlete. Emily listens to the show. So, Emily, hello. I know you're going to listen to this. So she shouted that out a couple weeks ago. And then I got a text today from a customer of mine here in town that says, oh, man, this guy was my neighbor in Dallas for 15 years. He's the most and, random connections ever. Isn't that weird? <laughs> he was my neighbor in Dallas. And I won't say his name, but he said, man, great guy. Hung out with him all the time. He's going to do great for you guys. So he's obviously well-liked everywhere didn't, he's been. Didn't cut the gra- I heard he didn't tend to the grass too yeah, well. Yeah, he didn't put a nice stripe on his lawn, but he, he threw a he, few, he threw a few ragers. And uh, you know, so when he time. was with, with Carolina, when he was with Carolina, he was the, that scout in Dallas in that national scout regional area. So he lived next to this guy, but I wish him the best of luck, man. Listen, Lord knows he's going to need it. You know, this is a bottom, you know, from the bottom up guy in 2000, he took a job in Carolina in the ticket office as an intern. Okay. The ticket office, you know, I mean, that's like, he did everything. They had to have someone go shag long field goals that went into the woods. He had to go chase the ball, lunch orders, collating, you know, transcribe anything they needed. He did it. That's, and it's funny when I'm around the giants now, you know, you know, Lawrence, they get college interns every year, right. And they get, you know, these, these low paid interns every year. And every year there's a few of them. Look, Roger Goodell was an intern, a PR intern with the Jets once. So I always notice the interns and I think, who's sharp? You know, because that's where these people come from. They're not in uh, Burger King. They're, they're trying to get low, low level jobs with these teams. Uh, they make no money. They work tremendous hours. And this guy has just slowly, this is, you know, 20 years slowly. He's there where he needs to be now. And he was, you know, I think Adam Peters was second and Adam Peters from the 49ers was a really good candidate. And I heard he did a really good job in his interview yesterday. Um, Ryan Poles, I heard was really good too, but the guy's 36 years old, probably will get a job eventually, even though he's still up for some jobs this year. But yeah, Shane was the guy. He was the first guy to interview the nine. He was the first guy they called back. You had to knock him off and no one could knock him off. I I think moving forward, I think, you know, the head coach, that's going to be, in my opinion, I think not necessarily his toughest decision. I think that's going to be offensive coordinator between him and his head coach. But I just don't have a clear cut favorite. Obviously, Dable because of the familiarity with him in Buffalo. But there are some candidates out there. And I don't know what his relationship is, right? You said on previous shows, tell me who the general manager is, and I'll tell you some ideas about the head coach. Well, can you get past Dable and say, okay, who's next? Yeah, who you else can. does he know? You can. Okay, you know, he, who are he, they? He, well, he, he was in Miami with Chris Greer, okay, who was the GM with the Dolphins, you know, he so he worked for nine years with Chris Greer in Miami. What did we hear about Flores in Miami? They didn't like him. Greer and him did not get along. Did not get along. So so Shane is going to have a complete pipeline to Chris Greer and say, what went down there? What do I need to know about this guy? So that is a great connection there as far as, you know, maybe the, the bad stuff about Flores, you know what I mean? Or, 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 you know, or maybe Greer says, well, it was my fault, whatever. But look, it was not all football, the reason he got 
he got fired, right? They won seven straight games this year at one point. You know, he had, uh, what, 19 wins the last two years. You know, I think Flores will be in for an interview. I have no doubt about that. I think Dayball will be in for an interview. We already know Dan Quinn is going to be in for an interview or the interview has been requested. You know, they don't always take it. There'll be a couple more guys. I, I can't, you know, Leslie Frazier from the Bills. I don't know. I don't know if that'll happen. And there'll be somebody I think that we hear where we'll all say, didn't see that coming. You know, I don't know where the connection is. Didn't see that coming. They'll bring somebody in. They'll talk to them. This is the time. You know, no one's been hired yet. This is the time to talk to these guys. But Dayball is obvious. Um, I'm not saying he's a slam dunk guy. You know, these coordinators, you, you, what, what would you say, seriously, Lawrence, what would you say the percentages of first time coordinators succeeding as NFL head coaches? I mean, I bet it's less than 20%. Right? I was thinking 25, 30%. I mean, it, it is it is the biggest crap. That's, that's what worries me I've with seen. this, this Dable thing. And sure, he's a great coordinator, but that, as you guys know, it changes when you have the whole team. It, it just is a different animal. So that's why I was excited to see that Dan Quinn was on their list. Uh, I think he has done some good things in this league. He knows how to lead men. Leslie Frazier knows how to lead men. You know, I think the Giants job is attractive right now. You got a nice GM. You got two picks in the top 10. You've got some talent on that roster. It's a place I'm sure people want to come coach, but I just don't know who the good candidates are. I really don't. Quinn becomes an interesting name. And Lawrence, we talked about this before we start because of his experience. And a lot of people want to just point at 28-3, collapsed. Cowboys defense was a great. He's got the experience. And I kind of I kind of like Quinn because you went offensive We, know, we went, know why you like him. Same well, he like had a little, a, little tea, a little cup of tea at Hofstra, but there that's not why. But – I think you went with the coordinator route the last three times and it failed. So is fourth time the charm? Do you keep going down that well and hoping that it'll work? Yeah, I don't know. And that's going to be the biggest question, you know, whatever ownership conveyed with, with Joe is, you know, I'm sure they may sign off on a guy who's never done it again, but I would be very weary of if I was ownership of maybe getting a guy who, who hasn't had any success in this league. But if he's the right guy, he's the right guy. You know, he's going to have to come in and interview and sell himself to ownership as well as the general manager. So I think you could see one, but if it was me, I, I would like to have a veteran, someone that has been there, done that before. Leslie Frazier, Flores, if everything checks out, and Dan Quinn. What about a guy like uh, Raheem Morris? And Raheem Morris, yeah, we talked about him I, on I, our I, last I, show. I kind of like there's something. Jake's shaking his head again. More Hofstra, baby. More Hofstra. They produce a lot of coaches for a school that doesn't have a football team anymore, you know? Don't remind me. After my freshman year, they got rid of it, and Saturdays were empty without football games. So The Flying Dutchman. I don't think Dayball is, look, we have to stay away from him because he hasn't been. You know, you have to get the guy in the room. I've been around Brian Dayball a little bit. I met him at the Combine and talked to him and, you know, kind of you know, away from football settings. I think he's fun. I think he's gregarious. You know what else is interesting about Brian Dable? He is very close to Joe Judge. They are friends. You know, the Judge wanted him, you know, from their time together in New England, Judge wanted him to be his offensive coordinator. It didn't work out. So, you know, I don't know if Brian Dable gets an interview with the Giants, if he if he rings up his buddy Joe Judge for some info, that is, that might not happen because of uh, what happened with Joe here. What if Joe comes back as the special teams coordinator? Do you think that, I mean, what, it's... You know, but there's so many layers, right? If it's Brian Flores, you say, okay, I like him. He was a former coach. He's a defensive coach. The next question is, who is your offensive coordinator? Who is your quarterback coach? Brian Flores did not do great things in Miami with their offense, and he didn't like his quarterback. You know what I mean? So he wants Deshaun Watson who I don't think he's going to get with the Giants. So there's a lot of issues that need to go forward there. If you hire Dable, he's your offensive coordinator. He's your quarterback coach. You know, other guys will have those roles. He is the fixer of, of Daniel Jones in the offense. 
Now you just have to worry about the defense, which, you know, is in much better situation. So, you know, with Quinn, who's running your offense? Who's running this broken Giants offense? There's so many things that go into it. That's a big question. Uh, to your point, I don't know that the Deshaun Watson thing is going to make sense to the Maras and the Tishes, but... Deshaun Watson is a quarterback. Fantastic. Top five, top eight. Great. But there's tremendous baggage and it's almost arbitrary to talk about. There's pending civil suits against this guy, which which is going to, you know. And you guys would off, never bring that up when you're talking to him. The media wouldn't. We all would bring it up. Of, of course. course. That's yes, what I'm saying. Like this is a, you got to be careful what you're talking about here because, you know, and that's another thing we've talked about. What coach can, can stand up there and handle the media? to some extent too, right? Again, a name we haven't really touched on is Doug Peterson. You know, he's still got to be in play here. You know, he handled a tough market in, in Philadelphia. He's won a Super Bowl. And some people will say it was his assistance. And I get that. But, I, you know, obviously he'll be on the list. I don't, I don't know, know if it's his- obvious, but I think he's someone you need to – if he's not on the list – then they have to have a discussion as to why. Yes, right. It's not like just one of these guys. You have to, okay, why not Doug Peterson? What am I missing here? Why are we not bringing him in? And then, you know, if, if Joe Shane has a 10 reasons why not to, that's fine. But, you know, I don't know if he can come up with more than a couple of reasons not to and you know, more reasons too. You know, but but this guy, you know, you know, I heard he is not a salary cap expert, Joe Shane. You know, he needs work in that. Um, he'll have a salary cap guy with him. You know, either it's Kevin Abrams, which I doubt, but it's, you know, or he brings his own guy in at some point. And, and another thing, you know, this guy can't come in and fire everybody. You know, everyone hates the giant scouts and the giant's front office people. You can't do that. They're in pro personnel meetings for the free agency, the draft, you know, all their scouts are doing their final draft preparation. He can't come in and get rid of everybody. He's got to work with what he has, judge what he has. And then after the draft, you'll see a bunch of changes. You know, that that's what I think. Don't you, Lawrence? You know, you can't do that's it. That's typically right. how it works. And it, it's all, you always see, you know, this guy gets let go, this pro personnel guy gets let go. So yeah, I think he'll come in and, you know, there'll be some people he'll keep just like everywhere. But obviously, I think you're going to see a whole new way of business being done in in East Rutherford. So for the Giants fans, Paul, like who want everyone gone, Abrams, blah, blah, blah. Any of those moves would not happen until you're saying after the draft, if they do that. Well, you put it this way. You keep, let's say let's say Giants fans or, 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 you know, just media, whatever. And they say one of the reasons the Giants are so bad is they don't scout players correctly. OK, we don't like the way they scout. OK, I can't argue that they're scouting people correctly all the time. Their draft picks are more misses than hits. You can't get rid of all the scouts now. You know, Chris Pettit runs the scouting system. He runs the draft. If you want to give him his walking papers today, you have to get someone else who has studied the draft. You know, you, you've done all the work. You've done most of the work. You can't bring in a whole new scouting staff now. You can't do it. So look, Joe Shane seems like a smart guy. He's going to look who's in, look who's out. He knows a lot of these people too. These guys all know each other. Joe Shane knows Kevin Abrams. He knows Tim McDonald. He knows Chris Pettit. He, they all know each other. They're, they're all the same at the same um, you know combines and all these same seminars. They know each other, so they have reputations. Well, it's a tiny league, Paul. You know that. I mean, if you hold a position in an NFL franchise, you hold one of Probably 32 positions like that in in the in the world. You know, assistant GM. There's only 32 of them, and only 32 GMs. So these, it's a very very small circle. Obviously, you guys get together at the combine and things like that. Mobile, Alabama, where I think you'll be, Paul. You mentioned down in Alabama at the Florabama doing the mullet toss. 
You better get in there. It's a fun night. All, all expenses paid trip to Mobile, Alabama. Yes. For the mullet toss. Yeah, it's a fun night. I've done that. But they've got a lot, a lot of work to do. And you just have to really hit on this head coach and see what happens. I mean, I, I'm excited, but I'm also cautiously optimistic because we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. So you can just think positive things and hope they get the draft picks right. I think if they get some stuff right there first, then everything else will take care of itself. When, when um, Brandon Bean and Shane got to Buffalo, there was virtually no no analytics department. You know, there was the sh- there was just a, a rudimentary analytics department. They changed all that. Now, Dave Gettleman did improve the analytics department the last couple of years with the Giants, but I could see definitely more of a push there. You know, the Bills are a pretty high analytics team, state of the art in the league right now. I think the Giants will push forward there. But I asked Brandon Bean this today as far as there's Batman and Robin, right? And and you just like the coordinator to the head coach, it's the biggest move. You know, you're, you know, the, the GM office is here and the assistant GM office is right next to it. But, you know, those 20 feet is a, you know, a gangplank. It's a m- major difference. And so I asked him, why is Joe Shane ready to take this next step? And he said, you know, he was in every meeting with me, every meeting, any meeting he wasn't in, I briefed him. He could talk to players. He could talk to scouts. He could talk to agents. He was, you know, he, he he sets up the draft for us. He said he did everything that I needed to do. He was there as my right-hand man. The only thing he didn't do was when Sean McDermott and I, you know, the Bills head coach had something private that we needed to talk about. Joe Shane was not there, but very often I would brief him on what we said. So as far as preparation, this guy is hits every box. You know, he is ready to be a GM. And now we'll see some of them succeed, some of them fail. They need help. You know, the, the fit, the guy they picked number five in a draft can't tear his ACL on the third day of training camp. You know, Daniel Jones's neck has to heal. But this guy's resume, a bunch of these guys, you know, Peter's resume was great. A couple of other guys' resume was great. He's been in three different organizations. No one can say anything about this guy that is is he doesn't deserve the job. He absolutely does. The, the thing I like most most about him is is where you said he started in the ticket office. I mean, that – that is someone you have a ton of respect for that has seen and worked his butt off to get where he's at, which is a great sign. I would love to get inside Joe Shane's head and wonder what he thinks about Daniel Jones. And I know you guys will ask. I don't know what kind of answer he'll give, right, because the draft's coming up and free agency and things like that. But that would be question number one. Um, the offensive line, I think we can fix that through the draft and some moves. But I would love to hear his answer on Number eight. Well, I know that that was obviously brought up in these interview meetings. And I was told that Joe Shane believes that Daniel Jones can be his quarterback. Okay. That, that he's not like he didn't go into this meeting and say, all right, number one, Daniel Jones is out. We're drafting a quarterback or we're signing one that I can work with Daniel Jones. Now, that does that mean, don't forget, Daniel Jones is entering the last year of his contract. So I think what Joe Shane thinks is, I see Daniel Jones. Um, What I was told is there was talk about the offensive line being really bad and about all the injuries to his skilled players that compromised what Daniel Jones can do more than Joe Shane saying, I don't like your quarterback at all. But the position will still be upgraded. They will you know, increase the competition. And look, am I am I saying because he thinks he can work with Daniel Jones that they will not draft a quarterback in the first couple of days of the draft? I'm not saying that. You know, rising tide raises all ships, right? So, but I think I think Daniel Jones is QB one going into next year. But we'll see who QB two is. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a, it's a big decision. Hey, Paul, let me ask you. Just because we saw in the interview process for for Shane 
that Steve Tisch got involved, which hasn't really happened over the past couple of big hires. Is there any sort of idea that he's now going to be involved going forward in terms of going looking for head coaches and other personnel for the Giants, you know, for the rest of the way here? No, no. I mean, I'm, you know, Steve Tisch was in these meetings. Um, you know, don't forget when they look for head coach, very often they have a general manager. So the general manager and, and John Mara does that. Uh, John Mara was not going to do it himself. Steve Tisch is a part owner, obviously the, not part owner, co-owner. Sometimes Steve Tisch comes in to the second round. So the fact that he was involved in all the nine, uh, you know, teleconference first ones was a good thing. Chris Mara, you know, the uh, senior uh, VP of player evaluation was also in every one of these interviews, which I know ruffles some feathers of, of fans. But then, no, I, I, I look, Steve Tisch is, is on the West Coast. He is a movie producer. I don't think Steve Tisch is more involved or going to get more involved. He He's involved as much as he needs to be, and he can be involved as much as he wants to be because he's 50%. But no, I think, I think, put it this way, I think the next coach will come from 80% Joe Shane. And unless it's someone completely out of left field, then ownership will look at it and say, this makes sense. Yep. Good. Hire him. Chris, my senior VP is Joe Shane is also part of his title. So I guess it's a, a little above Chris Mara. All right, let's, let's make a pick. Let's make a prediction. Start with you, Lawrence. Who do you think the Giants end up hiring, if you had to guess? I'm going to say Brian Dable. Just because I want to be right, I think it's going to Well, be you right. were wrong on Kevin Abrams being the GM on your controversial prediction. See, uh, see here we go. Time. You're oh. just like all these other fans out there. <laughs> I said I would like to see him be the general manager. I did not say he was going to be, right? There's a difference. Having said that, they made a good choice here with Joe Shane. All right. He says Dayball. Paul, who do you say? Pr- predictions? You know, I could be um, a contrarian to go against Lawrence, but look, this search was done so orderly, right? We, we heard Joe Shane's name right away. He went through the whole process. He was the guy. So I think this is going to be very, very orderly too. And I think it's going to be Dable. I really do. I, I you know, he, he's, he's, a, he's a short guy. He's kind of a roly-poly guy. I think he's got a good personality. You know, <laughs> Shots fired. No, short, roly-poly. you called the man a roly-poly. <laughs> just, no just, man <laughs> feels more masculine after being called a roly-poly. Uh, look the at the pictures. Board. You know, I'm saying coach, your head coach has a certain image, right? And they come in all shapes and sizes. So the Giants have to be comfortable with that shape and that size and what he brings, right? <laughs> what he's like an older, chubbier version of me, honestly. He's, it's it's bad. He's, he's uh, roly poly. Wow. You know, you know, well, I mean, look, I just it's not it's not a shot. It's 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 look, after Ben McAdoo, they wanted a guy with a square jaw adult and they and they they hired Pat Shermer, okay? Um after Jim Fossil, they wanted someone who looked like a, a lieutenant and they got Colonel Tom Coughlin. Um now Joe Judge is not, you know, he he there was nothing, you know, he he was Coughlin. Coughlin was an admiral, by the way. He's not a not a colonel. He's much yeah, higher. Rank. When he started, he was a colonel. Okay. After the first okay. after okay. the first Super Bowl, like we'll, a three we'll star, about, four star admiral. Yeah. Then then he got his he got his wings. He got his promotion. Dable's going to be hard to beat, I think, with the connection to Shane and he does what the Giants need. He fixes quarterbacks and fixes offenses. So you know what I try and do is put myself in like these other coaches' shoes, right? Like these these guys that come in, they all know that Dable's his his guy. You know, and I'm thinking you interview just to interview for the experience, right? I mean, it, I'm sure there's five guys that are going to walk in that building saying, I know I'm not getting this job, but you do it. I just, I find that interesting. Well, you know? I, I, look, I, I don't think you can discount Flores. You know, I mean, you know, Flores is a Brownsville, Brooklyn guy. He's tough as anything. Who fires you, every offensive coordinator on his team every year. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You know, I, I, and, and, and they're going to have to hear why that is. But but I'm saying that when, when Brian Flores walks into that interview, he's going to be confident that he's the only man for the job, right? Because oh, yeah. you've yeah. seen him on the sideline. He's going to – yeah, put it this way. When he walks out of that interview, I bet you – 
Joe Shane and, and John Maris say, I want to suit up. I want to play for that guy and knock some heads. I think that's what he's going to get. That's what he's going to give him. And now you have to see whether he's the right guy for the, you know, for this job. I'm going to say Dan Quinn. I think his 20 years of experience, his five years as head coach, getting to a Super Bowl uh, should do more than uh, what Dayball has. But I, I agree. It's probably going to be Dayball, but I'm going to go different and say Dan Quinn. Hearts, make your pick. Who will be the next Giants head coach? Next Giants head coach is going to be Bill Cowart. No, 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 no. Um, definitely not Bill Cowart. Wow. The chin. That would be the real chin. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it's, it's going to be Dable. And I think the fact that he also has, um, he has a connection with Patrick Graham, you know, cause the two of them were with the Patriots. So I think that if the Giants are able to at least keep Patrick Graham on the staff, since he did a great job with the defense this past year, um, they're going to have the Buffalo Bill connection. And, um, I don't think the Bills are going to win this weekend. So I think that, uh, the Giants will be able to lock that in and get things going as soon as possible. Hmm. The Patrick Graham connection is a really good one, Andrew. Now, I have no idea if the Giants and, you know, Dayball or anybody is thinking or Joe Shane is thinking, look, Patrick Graham is terrific, but we kind of want a clean slate here. We don't want Joe Judge's best friend coaching the defense. I don't know that. But if the Giants are on board with that, and and they think, you know, it's not going to split the team in two or anything like that. That could make Dayball even more attractive because the Giants love Patrick Graham. I know that there's people in the building who love him and think he's going to be a head coach. So now they say, wait a second, we get Dayball and Graham? Yeah. Ooh, now that's attractive. We don't have to worry about the defense. Your friends get fired all the time in this business. You know, Patrick Graham holds no animosity. They're still going to give him a paycheck if they hire him back. But I, I actually, I think that's a great idea. That defense loves him. And, it, and that offense, if they can just get better, which they will, because they have nowhere else to go but up, is really going to make that defense even better because you can imagine how many snaps they were on the field every Sunday. You know, this offense, a competent offense, w- is going to make them better. I will say Brian Dayball is a five-time Super Bowl champion, so he's looking to add a mm. sixth ring to you know his second though, hand. Those guys with the Patriots, you know what I mean? If you did their laundry, you have three rings. You know what I mean? I mean – everybody's got rings with the Patriots. So I understand that, 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 you know, yes, he has the rings. He was part of it. These Patriots guys, man. And, and I think that's, we all go crazy with that. Oh man, he, he won the, the, the two Super Bowls his first two years. Yeah, we know, we know the Patriots guys, man, they win all the time. The bling is nice. And speaking of rings, as we'll, we'll close out the show with this January 20th was the 14th anniversary oh. Of Lawrence Tynes, the Scotsman, kicking the Giants to the Super Bowl in cold Green Bay and negative temperatures. Let's play the clip, Andrew. Let's cue oh. up the clip of Lawrence. Memory kicking. lane, my Let's favorite time of year. All right, here goes Tynes again from 47 yards to kick the Giants to the Super Bowl. Snap is good. Kick on its way. End over end. Does it have the distance? It is good. good! Lawrence Tynes has kicked the Giants to the Super Bowl after missing at the end of regulation, and Tynes runs into the tunnel to our right, and the New York Giants are going to Super Bowl 42 in overtime. They beat the Packers 23-20. Take a breath, Papa. Take oh, a Papa breath. Take a call. deep breath. Papa, with the, one of his, he does say, and I think we, he, one of his favorite calls he's ever made. Was that Carl Banks in the background saying, woohoo? He, yeah, yeah. Man, 14 years, Paul. Can you believe it? You were there. Um, I, I was there. Yeah. Now, now you, you know, the clip is Eli Manning running around and he hugs Fiegels, like, right? Yeah, I think he's I don't know, He's looking around for somebody to hug. He's looking I'm, around for somebody and you're out, right? You're, well, I, I, there's a cool picture. Strahan is chasing me. I outrun him. Obviously, that's easy. I just could not wait to get out of there. I couldn't do it anymore. The cold had had starting to mess with my mental. 
I said, I'm out of here. I'll see everyone in the locker room. Take you know, us through cool. the kick. We Take us through the process, Lawrence, because that ball was hard. It was cold. And we know Greg Joseph beat your January record. You sold yeah. the postseason Lambo record, and it was much colder, 30 degrees colder when you kicked it. Then I had a kind of a mean tweet towards Greg Joseph earlier this month when he kicked that because it was, I was like, congratulations on your 51-yard field goal before the half to put your team get them within 20 points in the regular season. So it wasn't very nice of me to say that, but man, just you guys know the story. I've told it a hundred times. I just felt so good about that kick. Like I know I had missed a couple, but Paul knows I, I just never let things bother me. And I, I really felt good about the one before that at the end of an eight minutes left in the regulation, 43 yarder hit it really, really well and missed it a little left. And so the one in, in overtime was just, you know, how I'm built, self-confidence. I knew I could make it. If I just started on the right track and we get the most important piece, a good snap and a good hold. And Jeff and Jay Alford, I give them a lot of credit. That is not easy to do what they did that night. But I think the coolest moment I ever I had that night was when I did run that all that way off the field is I got to spend a minute by myself in the locker room with nobody around. You were the first one in the locker room? Well, yeah. Wow. Nobody, everyone else stayed out there. Yeah. And you yeah. know, it's a long walk from the field at Lambeau up to your, where your locker is. It's a weird deal, super narrow. And then you walk, 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 walk. So I was able to spend about a minute, minute and a half before all the hooting and hollering came in. So that was like the coolest thing I remember, just being by myself, thinking about all the people that helped get me there, my teammates, my family. So I almost felt like crying when I pulled my sock off and my foot exploded like a damn balloon and was the size of a baseball. I was like, oh no, I'm not going to be able to play in the Super Bowl. That was my first thought. And then they almost didn't let me fly home that night. So I was worried on, on that front. I'm like, what do you mean you're not going to let me fly home? Because they were worried about it getting bigger or pressurizing. So they did ultimately let me go home and I had it drained uh, the next day. And I was really sick. I think, Paul, you guys wanted to talk to me the next day. I was not available. And it was, I think some people may have thought I got drunk. Oh no, I was just sick. Like so sick, like a, a quick flu or something, or I don't know what it was, but just well, being you were out outside and, playing in the cold, right? Like yeah. a little kid. I yeah. mean, I was pretty sick you know, that, that whole next day. So Lawrence, I, I like the story. I like the story, you know, before that kick with Coughlin, you know, in your interactions with Coughlin and how you didn't wait, what did he say to you after the first two misses? And obviously you didn't give him a chance after the third one, you know, before the third one. You know, he, you see it on TV. He's just kind of Letterman made fun at it, poked fun at it on his show too. And he's like, how do I, we'll get him next time. You know, Letterman in this funny way. And I was like, that's not probably not what he's saying. He's like, what the F are you doing? I have no idea what he was saying. I can guess what he was saying. Cause I have a pretty good, I, I do a pretty good job of ignoring him. I, I know he's barking, but I just compartmentalize it and say, okay, I know he's mad. I'll fix, I'll fix it. It was good to make it, man. It was just fun. But you ran out there, right? You know, they they didn't, he didn't say field goal and you ran out there before he yelled. Paul, there was, there was no way in help. Tom Coughlin was going to call field goal. I just know, I just know him. I know his mentality. I know what those coaches were saying in his headset. And so having so much self-belief in myself, I'm like, I'm when this ball is either incomplete, complete Steve Smith, the ball, I'm like, I'm running on the field. And when I ran out there and looked around, I didn't see Jeff or Jay. I was like, oh, where? And then so he shooed, you know, Jeff and them on when he saw me. So I'm glad, you know, I made that decision because I, I, who knows what would have happened if I would have sat there and waited. He wouldn't have probably, maybe he kicks it, maybe he doesn't. We'll never know. But I also am not 
a giant, probably. The course of Giants history has changed forever if Lawrence doesn't run out on the field. Teddy Roosevelt said that great, you know, essay about the man in the arena, you know, which which is terrific. And you were in the arena, you know, I was in the building, but you were in the arena. And, you know, it, it's it's very dramatic. You know, if you don't run out there, maybe he says... Well, what was it? Was it fourth and what? What what, what was the yard? Six, maybe? Remember? I think it was more than five. So would they have went for it or punted? Oof. It's a good question. We'll never know. Well, maybe you know, we no, should they ask were Kevin very, After Corey Webster's um, interception, it was a very conservative, right? It was a very conservative approach to, you know, just get some. And I remember watching it and I'm thinking, they need to get closer. You know, they need to get, they, this needs to be an easier field goal than this. You know, not that there's an easy field goal in, in, in the no, sub-Arctic. None of them I'm were. Thinking, they need to get into the 30s here. And and I knew if we got the snap and hold, it would be great. It was very cool. I heard, I told you guys, I heard from Robbie Gould on Monday, Tuesday, maybe Tuesday. We talked for 30 minutes. He's playing there this week. Now, he, he he's a Chicago Bear and has played there a lot, but this is a little bit different. So he just wanted to pick my brain a little bit. And I appreciate it. A player of Robbie's caliber calling me to, we're friends anyway, but I just shared the mental part. You know, I, I think the most important thing I, I shared with him was, Robbie, just don't let your holder fail you in pregame is what I would learn from what happened to me and Jeff is because when Jeff started dropping balls because he couldn't catch them, I think it messed with him that game. And so I just said, look, if your holder's having any issues, just kick limited amount of footballs, make sure he's catching them all because you want your holder going into the game confident. And so I said, even if you just do three on each side, four on each side, now it's not going to be nearly as cold Saturday night. So it's going to be cold. But, you know, Robbie took that and I think he'll, he'll, you know, take my advice and just. Just go hit a good ball. Robbie's a great kicker. He's he's done a lot of great things. In this this is a stupid question. Can you like wear an insulated sock? Can you wear a no? Tight? Yeah, you, and, and that's what I right? talked. We talked about what we would wear, and I said, Robbie, you can't. Obviously, you know this. You can't go too tight or something restrictive on your legs. So I did like a thin layer of thermals, very very thin up top. You know, he mentioned maybe wearing like a scuba suit or something that guys wear underneath. I couldn't have done that. I don't like to be restricted even in my upper body. So I think he'll find out he may not need the scuba suit. I think it's going to be minus five or zero. I don't think it's going to be minus 25 or whatever so ours was. if the 49ers win and Robbie Gold hits a game-winning field goal, Lawrence Tynes gets all the credit in the world. No, Robbie Gould gets all the credit because he's very good. But <laughs> if that happens, then I called Lawrence Tynes and I get a really cool story for the New York Post. That's what yeah. I got. Yeah. Did you have and your Robbie. earplugs in that game? I'm one like because you said you wore earplugs and you yeah. played the game. Yeah. The game winner, you had the earplugs ear, ear muffs, ear muffs for that game. So we did have we had the earplugs, and then the you know the equipment team put uh, lambs wool in between our ear holes and our helmet for that week to keep the wind from going into the ear holes on the helmets. But yes, the earplugs were in effect. But the earplugs are not as you know you can I can have a conversation on the sideline. I can hear hear Tom yelling at me from five feet away. It's not that hard. So, so do you take them out and like throw them up in celebration? You throw the ear earplugs. No, out they're they're you... they're totally custom. So they go in before the game and they don't come out until after the game. So it just it's a focus thing. Helps you focus a little bit. I learned that from the great Jeff Fegels. Well, 14 years ago. What a day. What a time. I know Lawrence has got two, so he's he's elite in my book. All righty, Lawrence, you want to close out this emergency episode of Blue Rush? It's been so long since we've spoken. It's been a wee bit of time, but wonderful news. A new general manager on episode 102 of the Blue Rush podcast, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Andrew Hartz for producing the show. Lawrence, the Kansas City Chiefs are home this weekend. Do you think they will beat Joe Shane's former club, the Buffalo Bills, and advance to the AFC Championship? 
I sure as hell hope not. I'm pulling for Bell's Mafia. Love that name. Get Blue Rush a wee five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. You can also now give us a wee five-star rating on Spotify. You know how we feel about Spotify. For Polly Schwartz, Jake Brown, and Andrew Hartz, I'm the, lo- I'm the well, I don't even know the Scotsman. Oh, the Bells, Lawrence. the Bells, not the Bells, the Bells. I'm the Scotsman Lawrence Tynes. We return next after the Giants hire a head coach. Thanks for listening to Blue Rush, folks, and we will We'll talk to you fine folks soon. Be safe out there. The Bells. He's kind of a roly-poly guy. Shots fired.